0: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. And now, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to... We're
1: watching here,
0: we're watching here... This is Opinionated Movie Talk with Chris and Perry. My name is Chris Williams. With me, he is the brooding hero
1: to my dead wife, Perry Seibert. (laughs) All right. I think I need now to, I think we need to come up with the, we need to find the brooding wife dead hero movie. Oh, that is, well, if
0: you're wondering what movies uh, the brooding hero might have a dead wife, uh, we are going to be talking about Christopher Nolan's filmography today um as Tennet hits theaters that are nowhere near us we're going to talk a little (laughs) bit about his filmography and uh you know whether or not we think he is the last hope for cinema that he is setting himself up to be these days um i am looking forward to that conversation but before we do perry what have you been watching
1: uh uh, i recently had the pleasure of revisiting barry linden stanley Mm. kubrick's barry linden for the first time uh since i was in college so it's a very long time ago, and uh, I had it was an experience unlike any other that I can remember. Uh, because I, I remember liking the movie. I know it's a, it's a controversial movie. A lot of people hate it because they think it's slow and and boring. Um, I had this weird thing where over the course of this three hour movie, I had forgotten entire chunks of plot. Like I couldn't remember what exactly happened next. But as every scene unfolded, I felt like I remembered each and every shot. Mm. Like there, was, there were no surprises about what I was looking at but, and it was nice to rediscover what actually happens in it. Uh, and I, I've never had a revisit quite like that and it was uh, it was pretty great. Uh, so yes, it was nice to revisit the, uh, that beautiful criterion blu-ray of Barry Lin, which I bought. Years ago when it came out and had never put in the machine.
0: Very nice. Um, I finally got to dip into some of my criterions. That's not the what I've been watching, but uh, my wife and I watched Lost in America a few weeks ago. I had bought that on uh, on Blu-ray about a year ago, oh. and she had not seen it. And so the we watched Core that. of the Nest Egg. Oh, the Core oh. of the Nest Egg. Everything in Vegas in that movie is just perfection. I mean, most <laughs> of that movie is perfection, but but that, that stretch in Vegas. From Frank Marshall to the Hoover Dam, no Gary Marshall, sorry, Gary Marshall Gary. to the Hoover Hoover Dam is uh, is just oh it's perfect. Um, <laughs> so, and then I bought I I I uh, was at Barnes and Noble and they had Boyhood on sale and so I oh. the criterion of that. Um, but what I have been watching is not nearly as prestigious as Barry Lyndon, um, but I wanted to talk about it a little bit. I I caught up with the latest DC movie, Birds of Prey, on HBO Max uh, from oh. earlier this year. Um, and I will say, this is a movie I had no interest in when it came out. Um, I am not the biggest fan of what DC is doing. If you go back and listen to our uh, Joker argument from a year ago, you'll, you'll find that me and DC don't always get along. Um, and I thought this was a lot of fun. Did you see this? It was one of the last no. movies. It was one of the last <laughs> movies people could go see um, in I, the before I did times. not
1: go see this. I, I could not care less. <laughs> no, um, I did not bother.
0: I will say I had a really good time with this. Um, I had fun with it and liked it. I wouldn't go so far. It's not great, and I think it's barely good. Uh, but it's fun. It is a movie that is way too convoluted for its own good. It backs up in telling its story about 20 times just so it can pad out the the plot a little bit and get to the yep. runtime up. But um, Margot Robbie is so much fun to watch as Harley Quinn. Uh, she's, she's really having a great time and she, she actually creates a character with that. Like you, you feel for her, even as she's a self-described, terrible person. Uh, Rosie Perez is a lot of fun. as this kind of walking, talking eighties cliche that the movie calls out for being an eighties cop cliche. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is very funny as a very socially awkward vigilante. Um, and Ewan McGregor is just this very flamboyant, perfect villain. Um, and, and, and it really shocked me. I had kind of turned it on. Just it, it was really just I needed to burn some time on Saturday and I pulled up HBO Max and that was like <laughs> there it was It literally that's what it was. Um, but I had also spent the whole day kind of bouncing back and forth um, on my phone between stuff coming out from the DC fan event they were doing. And I, I got to say, like, I, I've been very vocal about how much I enjoy the Marvel movies and the DC movies, I don't. And it's a lot of it because I don't understand what the hell they're doing half the time. Um, because <laughs> Marvel, you go in there and you know what you're getting. Like, it's a 20 hour long or 20 movie long TV show at this point. You know exactly what it's going to look like. You know what the basic plot structure is going to be. You know what the tone of it's going to be. And if you like that, it's great fun. If you don't like that, I totally get it. Um, But I find DC to be just this weird, bonkers entity that is veering back and forth from whatever James Gunn is doing with Suicide Squad, which looks like this very, you know, kind of in-your-face, fun, 70s war flick, to whatever Joker was, which was the ultra-serious, ultra-grim version of that, to a Batman movie that, I, I mean, I think it's refreshing, but they're going to go and make a dark and gritty Batman movie, which I I mean, finally, but, uh,
1: (laughs) we've all been waiting for,
0: but, but then they're also going to release that at the same time. There's a flash movie that has Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton playing their Batman characters. So I, I have no idea what the hell is going on there, but I found it kind of fascinates me in a way. Marvel doesn't because even though I dislike half the choices they make, it's a lot of fun to watch that play out, and when it hits, it usually hits pretty well. Like, uh, I, I thought Shazam was a lot of fun. I thought uh, – I've heard very good of things about Aquaman. Um, and Birds of Prey is kind of that. It, it's colorful. It looks like no other comic book movie I've seen because they're playing with – big, bright colors, but mixing it in with ultra-violence um, in a way that is just, it's fun. Its aesthetic is more Tim Burton than Christopher Nolan, um, or, God forbid, Zack Snyder. Um,
1: yes, God forbid, Zack Snyder. Yeah,
0: Yeah. so I, I, I wanted to mention that because it's just this very weird little comic book movie um, that is the type of weird that DC sometimes does really right that... <laughs> That makes it, in, in a way, more fascinating to me than what Marvel's doing. Because even though I'll probably go into a Marvel movie and like it, I know what I'm getting. And DC, it's just like, all right, let's try this out. And uh, I, I find that a fascinating way of, of them making movies, that they're just throwing everything at the wall and some of it will stick. and But none of it looks the
1: same, and I, I kind of appreciate that. I guess we just chalk that up to historically Warner Brothers is a far more interesting studio than Disney. Yes, yes. <laughs> so
0: um, that's Birds of Prey. It's on HBO Max. If you're folding laundry, it's it's fine
1: to turn on. Um, that's that's. My I would high like praise. to point out that when this airs, although not when we recorded it, if you wanted to jump back just a little bit, there's a whole collection of Albert Brooks films on the Criterion Channel this month. Are this there September. really? So yes, yes, they're going to have the first five or six of them. Oh, Real-life, fantastic! Modern Romance, Defending Your Life, uh, Lost in America. Uh, uh, uh oh! What came next? Not the not the me- mother. Mother's there. Okay, I think it's um, those five.
0: I don't know if you remember. A few years ago, maybe it was like five or six years ago, Netflix did that. They yes. signed a deal with Ale- Albert Brooks, and they put I think all of those movies on Netflix. And it was really this moment of hope, like, oh, is is Netflix actually? going to be working with filmmakers are they going to be putting old movies on netflix will there actually be good vintage titles and they were on there for literally about a month and then they got pulled um but in that time i was able to see defending your life and i think that's when i saw lost in america for my first time and uh, excellent so and knowing they're going to be on uh, criterion i hadn't seen that yet but that is fantastic because i will be checking those out because his his brand of humor just like it it's one of those things that, like, you're, you're. I kind of tune to that. Like, it, it's like a tuning fork. It just works real well.
1: I, I, one of the best stories in the history of Hollywood to me is uh, the uh, dearly departed Carl Reiner on the Tonight Show uh, in the '70s and being asked, "Well, who makes you laugh?" And he says, "Well, I'll tell you, my my son Rob has has a best friend named Albert, and he might be the funniest person I know." <laughs> This is, he was a teenager. They, they, they oh, were, they wow. were literally teenagers at the time. This, Alan Brooks has been funny his entire life. Well, I've
0: had, a, um, I, have been going back and watching, uh, old Simpsons episodes on Disney plus, and I'll make a special point just to go watch the episodes where he guest stars. Oh yeah. Uh, because he is just, he is dependably hilarious in those. Um, I've, I've watched the Hank Scorpio one about four or five times in the last few months. Um, so so that's what we've been watching, but I will definitely be adding those Albert Brooks ones to my criterion because that is good to know. Um, we're gonna get into talking about Christopher Nolan in just a moment, but I guess it's kind of preamble. Um, as we're recording this, movie theaters are starting to open back up across in areas across the country. Um, I know Russell Crowe uh, he brought whatever the hell Unhinged is out last week. Um, and The blockbuster the Summer block...
1: Hit of 2020. Yeah, and I don't
0: know if you've seen this, but there's been um there's there's been press releases they've been putting out basically touting, you know, 97% of people say they felt completely safe at Unhinged. Um, yes, they, they felt safe and it's this urging like get back to the movie theaters. And then as we're recording this, yesterday Tom Cruise uh pulled his latest death defying stunt by going to a movie theater to see Tenet. Um and basically recording it and putting it on Twitter is kind of a, you know, don't be a pansy, get back to the movie theaters. Um so we live in Michigan and theaters have not been open at least in uh, lower Michigan since March. I, they're up they're available up north, but um Theaters haven't opened here. We don't know when we're getting tenant. We don't know when theaters are reopening. But I thought it would be an interesting thing just to toss by you. Um, when theaters do open here, what is it going to take to get you to go back? Uh, do, you, do you think you'll be in a theater this year? No.
1: <laughs> no, I don't think I'll be in a theater this year. I am, I am dubious that there will be anything approaching a normal release schedule. And so I, I don't know what it would take. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what film would have to appear for me to go. Okay. I I guess I'll try that. It it feels very unimportant compared to my health at this point.
0: Yeah, I um early July we took our we took our kids up north. We went to Mackinac and in northern Michigan movie theaters are open. So you'd be walking around some of the cities up there and they had theaters that were showing, you know, The Goonies and Back to the Future and Jaws. And there was like a brief second where I was tempted to be like, oh, kids, you haven't seen Back to the Future. Let's go do this. And then you just the thought of sitting in a basically a box with other people for two hours. Yeah. i like, no, that that does not sound like something I would like to do right now. And we're not overly like cautious. Like, we're, we're overly we're cautious. But like we've done stuff like we went to a amusement park a month ago. So we went down to Kings Island and rode roller coasters and everything, and I still – I did that, and it was – it felt safe. I still would not go into a movie theater. Like, I would rather go to an amusement park than go into a movie theater because it's something about being in the outdoors. I could put space between myself and others. Um, You know, you weren't trapped in there for two hours and i just there's no no version in my head where i go to a movie theater and it's not playing that scene from outbreak where they're all in the theater <laughs> spreading that virus in there
1: <laughs> yeah i i i it, it's more a matter of i can't i can't even i i can't even get to the hypothetical like i can't imagine A normal slate of releases and so i i'm not even really seriously considering the question honestly like i'm (laughs) I'm saying nothing because i can't believe i'm going to be put in a situation where i have to actually make this decision you know what i mean (laughs) i don't care enough about tenet that i have to see it in the theater i'll be fine if i see it done video in in a month because warner brothers ain't gonna be able to hold it for long and let's be real clear on why this is happening it's not just the fact that theaters are reopening here it's that theaters are Really open in Europe and China, mm-hmm. and it, it's actually. And this is weird because we're talking about this before it happens, but it's going to air after it's happened. tenant's going to open here Labor Day weekend. It's opening in the UK and Ireland the weekend before. We're not getting it first. We're not getting it at the same time. And so I'm curious if they're only putting it out in theaters here because no one doesn't want a situation where. Part of the world has seen it and can spoil it for the rest of the world. I've thought I about really that. I really wonder if that's part of it as well. So, you know, this is an interesting thing to talk about. Why is it happening? Is it happening because this is the compromise that Nolan and Warner Brothers have come to? Is it because this is, Nolan thinks this is as good as it's going to get? I don't know. And I'm curious if it comes out why, why this decision was made now.
0: Well, I know Nolan's been very outspoken that he wants Tenet to be the movie that reopens theaters. Um, and, and he's very particular about how his movies are seen. Uh, he yes. hates he hates spoilers, so I would not be surprised if that is part of it. Um, but he's also, you know, he does not want them releasing it to HBO Max or wherever Warner Brothers would release it because for him, you know, it's sacrilege to be able to watch his spy movie on... Uh, on a phone, or and, yeah. yeah, I don't want. But, but he's going so far as to, they're they're going so far as to say also, like we have drive-in movie theaters open here in the Detroit area, um, but we don't have indoor theaters open. So Warner Brothers has said Tenet can't be shown at drive-ins where there are not indoor theaters open, and I can only think yeah. that's to keep it from being spoiled or things like that.
1: I, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if they think that I don't. Again, I don't know if that's Nolan's call or Warner Brothers' call. And I don't. I can't understand the logic either way. This is the you know I, I who's do they are do, do they is is it Nolan that he wants people to see it in a the theater so he will keep it from you if the theater is not an option at all? Is it Warner Brothers figuring this is the way to maximize the box office on this? Notice I didn't say profits. I said box office because I don't think this film can make a profit. No. Uh, at least here, uh, worldwide it's going to, but not it's not going to do nearly what it would have done otherwise here in the states. Uh, yeah, I just I just don't I just don't know, and it must be driving Nolan absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's it's fascinating. Um, and, and I've started to think I'm like, why? What would get me back into a movie theater? And the more I think about it, I'm like, you know, you can have as many rules as you want about wearing a mask, about social distancing, and things like that. I've been in theaters where they have big, bold letters telling people don't text or talk, and people don't really pay attention to that, and they're not going to stop selling food because that's where the theaters make their money, so you're going to have people eating and laughing and breathing and talking. So until, like, it's a little safer on the news, like, I'm seeing, you know, that there's a very low case rate or a vaccine would be even better. I'm not even thinking about it, Um, but I'm also, like... The first movie that comes back after we're back to whatever normal is, there's going to be a pent up demand for that, and it's like you could you could release Unhinged at that point, and it would be huge because it's the one movie everyone can see. Um, Tenet—they're taking a loss on this, like you said—and um, I can't imagine there's not going to be a re-release in six months if if the world's in better shape that they're not going to say you missed it the first time. Now go see Tenet.
1: Oh, I'm sure he'll re-edit it into some four and a half hour cut. That's S- that's my prediction. This is this is this is how Warner Brothers would talk Nolan into this. They're saying, Hey, guess what? You can do whatever you want to it. Let us put it out now. Do whatever you want to it. We'll re-release it in six months as the director's cut. Well, no, no.
0: <laughs> that cut is chopped up into hour long chunks and put on HBO Max. So
1: that
0: that's why we're getting a four hour justice After- movie. After, oh, yes, after. of
1: course, yes, of course. That's... um but here's
0: what I find interesting, and and this can this kind of leads into we're gonna be talking about Nolan. Um I, I find it interesting slash bizarre that Christopher Nolan, a director who's made many movies I like that we are gonna talk about in a minute, um, is kind of the one that people are pinning hopes on of going back to the movies. Because I don't know, what do you think of when you think of what you're missing at the movies?
1: Well, nothing. Nothing's playing. Okay, I but mean, I'm, all I'm missing is the sense. Of, I mean, but it, the experience. Mean, compared, to, uh, are, I mean, you mean if I see a movie not in a, in a theater, right? Do you right. Mean what, that, what what well, are i missing that wise? I guess. I well, I guess I I can say what I was thinking. Um,
0: like when I think of what I miss about being at the movie theater, it's it's being with people, seeing movies that are joyful or that shed some light on humanity that we're sharing this experience together. And it's kind of uplifting or it's making me think a little bit deeper about things. Um, and usually, you know, I, I've, I've been thinking about experiences I've been missing had been these very human uplifting experiences. And I find it odd that Christopher Nolan would be the one that everyone's putting their hopes on because that's <laughs> not what I get from his movies as much as I like them. He is not like, I, I don't, I don't get that inspirational pull. I get a very cold feeling from a lot of his movies.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, he's a cold director. He's one of the few, dare I say, okay, I won't say only. He is absolutely one of the very, very few directors who can get away with marketing the film as the new Christopher Nolan movie. Mm -hmm. There aren't Spielberg can't do it. It's no guarantee. No one saw BFG. Case in point, I I mean, it's not there is no there is no guarantee that a Spielberg film is going to light the world on fire. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, and Nolan is on a run here of, well, at least one, five films that were, you know, two of I mean, there's 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 only one that was there's only one that's truly feels like it was sold on him without the benefit of a giant star or some flashy product to to dangle in front of everybody. Uh, But still, you know, no one's name carries weight with the the young movie going public. And by young in this case, I mean 20-somethings or 30-somethings. I don't even mean teenagers. You know, it feels like an event film. He knows how to put that together, how to stage that and how to make that happen. So, I mean, I can see why. I can see why for ego reasons he would think he could be the one to do this. Uh, and he may be right. <laughs> I mean, he's not because there aren't enough theaters open right now. Mm-hmm. But yes, I mean, <laughs> all things being equal. Yeah, I don't think it's unreasonable that he's the one that's going to take a crack at it. But as for what I, you know, I, I don't. I, uh, yeah, I miss all. I, 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 the type of film to me doesn't really, you know, that's that's not what I think about when I think about what I'm missing at a theater. Mm-hmm. Oh, what I miss is, you know, and, and we've talked about it for me. The theater experience is this very Zen thing for me where I have to pay attention. I have to give myself over to this thing. I cannot hit a pause button. I cannot stop it. I have to lose myself in what is happening in front of me. Uh, it gets me out of myself And that's what I miss. And I don't really, you know, yes, it'd be great to see a great comedy and laugh with a bunch of strangers. It'd be great to see a great thriller and gasp with everybody at the same time. But, you know, that's what I'm missing. And the odds of me feeling that I'm going to have that spiritual experience at tenant feels pretty low. (laughs) So I don't, I don't, yeah, I'm not, this is not the one that hurts if I don't go see it.
0: Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm the same Mm -hmm. way, like, and, and I like a lot of his movies. There have been... Several of his films that I think have ended up on my top ten list at the end of the year um but I also have no problem if I have to see this on you know h b o Max or I rent it on Google Play in an, you know two months I'm fine with that because i you know i what I want from the movie theaters to leave feeling like i don't know I've been elated somehow i've been I've learned something, and the funny thing about Chris Nolan is. I, there's a lot of his movies I really like, and I leave very impressed and very high on them. And I don't go back and revisit them hardly at all. Um, he, like, his films are very idea driven, and they're very, you know, very interested in this very clockwork, clockwork plotting or, you know, this very inventive way of telling the story um, and playing around with time in it. But there's usually not enough there from the human perspective for me to really want to go back and rewatch them uh if i do it's because oh there's there's some sort of puzzle piece that i want to pick up on um which i guess that's been the way with him from the first from the start um with mm. memento
1: y- y- yes and no uh, y- because for it's a, so my argument to you would be I, I agree with you for the most part and the case the the case that you can make is what is the great perform- what, what are the great performances in Nolan films? And I can only if you ask me that straight up, I only two come to mind. <laughs> like I have to sit there and think about them. What if are the two? It's not like for me it would be it's well for me it's Guy Pierce in Memento, mm-hmm. and 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 also and uh, Joey Pants. <laughs> Joey Pants is fantastic in that movie. Uh, but uh, and it's Heath Ledger. Which is just sort of larger than life. I mean, that's not about, that's not about touching human emotion. That's about. uh, uh, I listened to I listened to James Corden in an interview a few weeks ago, talk about how uh, there are two types of great actors. They're everyman, the people who just like like Tom Hanks. You're like, yes, that's that's me up there. And then there are the aliens. Where you just watch him go, I don't I don't know how you're doing that, but that's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. You know, your Daniel Day Lewis's, your Ben Wishaw's. And uh you know, that's that is that 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 is one of the great alien performances of all time.
0: Yes. <laughs> and and I might have misspoke. Um I, I think my my fascination with him as putting together puzzles began with Memento, but I don't I don't find that a particularly cold film. Um I actually I really like Memento and Guy Pierce and and Joey Pants' performance, but uh, no, I, I really like Memento, and I think it's, it's the f- rare film by him that doesn't feel completely cold. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I, have I do... You, have you,
1: oh, go ahead. Have you ever seen Following?
0: I have, have not seen, seen a, Following, no.
1: That's it, the only one. It's, it's interesting. I mean, it is a... Memento is obviously, you know, following version point two. I mean, it's, it is, they're not the same film, but they are very similar. And, um, it is interesting to note the differences between them that, you know, following is real British <laughs> okay. and, and Memento is, is, is a Brits feeling for LA. i mean, part of the reason Memento works for me is it is so square in the tradition of the LA noir film. Mm-hmm. It, it works in that way and in a lot of other ways too. I agree. I, I, I think Memento's fantastic. Uh, I, 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 I even think Memento is his best movie. I, <laughs> but, I a hundred percent agree. Uh, and I think that, yeah, I think uh, uh, he is, he is a director for whom more money has not been helpful.
0: No, I would I, I was thinking that as well. Um yeah, I, I loved I saw Memento at a crappy theater in Warren for like a buck fifty. Um I, I had heard some people say good things, it popped up at the cheap show. So I went and saw it and like it was one of those things where you left feeling like your brain was scrambled. I did not understand what I had just seen. Um mm-hmm. because I, I was trying to piece together because the buzz on it had been it's the movie that's told backwards. Which isn't really true. It's not totally right. accurate. It's a, but when you watch it, and, and I watched it several times after that, and what I loved was the way that it's told, you know, backwards, forwards, starts at the middle. Um, but there is an emotional through line to that. That is why yeah. that that structure works so well. I know there was a big deal made uh, when they put it out on DVD or Blu-ray that you could watch it in chronological order, and I remember thinking that just seems like such a waste of point? time because yeah. that the whole point of the movie is that it's fractured like this because that's the mindset of Guy Pierce's character um, yes. it, it doesn't work it, it doesn't make that point if you watch it from the beginning, so to speak yes but yeah, I, I loved Memento um, and I, I think it is it's, he does these experiments where he I don't know if I've seen anyone other than maybe Richard Linklater be so obsessed with how you can play with time on film. Um, Whereas I think Linklater is the more humanist explorer of that. Nolan is very much interested in how you can structure movies around time. Um, So Inception plays so much with that, which that's what I walked away most impressed with 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 Inception was – the way the different dream sequences build on each other. And so you're in this sequence, but it's really, you know, it's playing out, what plays out five minutes here is really two hours in this other layer. And I thought that was fantastic. Um, And then Interstellar, he plays with that a little bit more. Uh, And then Dunkirk, which I think is his other best film, it's this whole it, it it's a whole experiment about that like how can I how can I stretch out how can I constrict time and I, I find I, I love that movie I think it works really well as that experiment but I also find those movies don't leave me going back to think wow what a what a great character Lucab is I think that was DiCaprio's name or, <laughs> I, I really. Yeah, I really resonated with uh, Tom Hardy's character in Dunkirk. They're, they're experiments, and they work like that, but they don't really stick after a while.
1: Yeah, yes, he's interested in how you can manipulate time, where Linklater is interested in, about how time affects characters and about how your experience of time yeah. affects the characters, as opposed to just being, yes, ooh, how can I get around this construct that we have? Yeah. Which is... Exactly what Nolan is doing for far too much of his career. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, But I do also think it's fascinating. Like you said, he's the one he's one of the rare filmmakers who can still open a giant movie on his name, but he can also deliver a movie that gets really strong performance on ideas that, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't see Disney doing Inception. You know what I mean? You wouldn't see them taking a risk on a, on a big budget sci-fi movie that is about sort of about dream logic, but we can get to that in a moment, but it's really just this weird clockwork playing with time. Uh, and there's no comic book it's based on, there's no source material and it's really going to take about two of the two and a half hours to explain it all to you,
1: <laughs> which is the other frustration is he loves to explain things to you. <laughs> Well, or, or he doesn't do so well enough. <laughs> In the case of Interstellar, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, Interstellar is to me, that's where he tried to be very emotional. And I I believe Spielberg was at one point attached to Interstellar. And there are moments where I feel like he's heading, trying to head into that Spielberg sentimental territory. Oh, yes. And it does not work. Like he just, I, I don't know if he just doesn't have the the, uh, you know, that's not his capability. But I no. find it, I find Interstellar <laughs> no, fascinating. No, it is not. Like I, I remember going to see Ad Astra about a year ago and thinking, oh, that was the movie I had hoped Interstellar would be in many ways. Yes, which is a very, um, you know, just focused sci-fi movie. Um, and Interstellar goes into some weird places at the end that I didn't expect that don't work. Like they just flat out don't work, and I think it's he's trying to deliver that human moment. And I'm like, that's not your strength, man. I, I appreciate no. the attempt, but, um, you know, stick to the wormholes and things like that. That's, that's what I, where I was most gripped with in that movie.
1: Yes. The Kubrick film he needs to study is the killing, not 2001. <laughs> he would be much better off. Just give him, yeah. Give him a $10 million budget. Two really good actors. And and, and, a, and, a, and a nice twisty script, and he would deliver something that we would be talking about for years. But he doesn't have it. He, you know, he's his his canvas is too large for his own good. <laughs> well,
0: I think of him, and I think of um, I, I see a lot of James Cameron in him. Where after a certain point, it's about the toys. It's about what else can I do that hasn't been done before? How do I make it look as big and expensive as possible? But Cameron's always had a better handle on the human element of that. Or I, I I find I I like Cameron. (laughs) Uh, Okay. I like like Cameron. That might be a discussion for another day, but I feel like Cameron, at least, I, I don't know. Like he, he creates characters who I enjoy watching over and over.
1: Um, oh, and I think Cameron dislikes people. Where I think Nolan doesn't understand people. There's a difference. Oh, That's fair. I I I find I find genuine misanthropy in much of Cameron's work. I hadn't thought of that, but but that's another a uh, true that's another lies episode. is an execrable movie. Yes, true okay, lies true is a really execrable movie. It's really awful. I, it is it is truly an inhuman film in so many ways, and that I I I, I, I he. And, uh, you know, he is way... There's, an, there's a reason a robot is the most beloved character in all of Cameron's work. <laughs> He's, uh, he doesn't like people.
0: <laughs> well, but I, and I think the further he goes and on, I, too, it's more about he wants to play with those toys more and more, which is what I see with Nolan, too.
1: See, and for me, I don't think it's a reliance on that. I think it's... I mean, we're I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you in principle, but oh. I don't think it's about the hardware. I think it's about... Yeah, I think he gets stuck in what What can I stretch? What is the concept I can play with? Can I bend time this way? And that's different to me than how realistic can I make the robot metal turn back human? You <laughs> Fair know, enough. It's a much more interesting question that I would much rather someone wrestle with than 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 what I think interests, if anything, Cameron at this point.
0: Fair enough. Um, but going back to that too, like you think of his uh, third film, um, Insomnia, the remake of... The, uh, was it Norwegian? Uh, is it, is it Norwegian
1: it was, or Scandinavian? Yeah. Um, which... It's a, re- it's a really good movie.
0: It, it is. It's the really original's
1: good. Re- the original is a really good movie.
0: And I, I remember seeing Insomnia. I think I saw it like two times in theaters, even, uh, the, the Nolan one. And I, it, it, I liked it. I remember liking it when I saw it. I have not seen it in years. Um, but it was more the concept, you know, the, what, what, does being awake all day or being in a land where the you know the sun never sets due to a person—it was that concept. But then you see the the original film, which is yeah. really just—it's—it's it's got a little bit of eroticism in there. It's passionate. It, it feels like it's about actual people, whereas the Nolan one feels yes. like a concept. It feels like a ready-made thriller, whereas the original feels like this really dangerous
1: thing in many ways I, I do think pacino's excellent in it i think it's, it's one of my favorite late later period pacino performances um he's really strong in it especially in the first half hour uh and i love uh martin donovan is an actor who just i don't see anymore who i really liked uh in that time period a lot and he's he's the part he's pacino's partner uh, their interplay in the first half hour of the movie I really like, and that movie stuck with me for that more than for anything else. It pales compared to the original, but yeah. it's it's fine. I thought it was an I thought it was an I thought it was, you know, the, I thought it was a good big budget step up from Memento for him. I yeah. I, I, I was not displeased. <laughs> I
0: think it was more when I because I saw the original about a year or two ago for a class I was taking, and. I think it was at that moment I was like, oh, Nolan's film didn't do this. Yeah. And I think that's when it hit me. I don't think his version is a bad movie. And I really actually like Robin Williams in that one. I I remember that was about the same time that One Hour Photo came out and I actually preferred his kind of villainous take in this one as opposed to One Hour Photo. But um, but I, it's, I, I think it's a good, capable movie. But it shows me he is not interested in a lot of the human things that the original was like he he's more interested in kind of the more standard police thriller which is fine it's a it's a good movie it's just it's where i first started noticing oh this tendency is there um and then he did batman and like that's when he became the household name and i really like two of three of his batman movies that's one more than i like Okay, which, uh, I like Batman Begins quite a bit. I don't. Um, okay, okay,
1: and why? I, it's, it's, I, it, it's, it's, because, uh, uh, because why do you like it? I, Other I, than it's Batman. I don't, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, it's, it's fine. I don't hate it, but I finish it, I'm like, well, now you're not interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you were interesting to this point. Now I don't know if you're actually interesting.
0: I, I don't think it's great, but I do enjoy it uh quite a bit because I like I like the fact that it's it's playing with some ideas that Batman movies hadn't dealt with at that time. Just the idea behind the symbolism. Um I like the look of it too though. I just I love that it, it gets this rap for being the you know quote unquote realistic Batman movie, and it's not. It's it's a movie that looks very stylized in certain places, and it, it plays into almost this mythic identity of the like character. He's he's kind of building that myth back up. Um, and I remember going to see it opening night and just being very very taken by it. Um, not so not to the extent I really liked to that I liked Dark Knight, but uh, I, I really I, I enjoy that. Uh, I like Chris Christian Bale's. Performance in that quite a bit, and uh, I, I really like. Um, oh gosh, I'm
1: like Killian Murphy.
0: Killian Murphy, thank you.
1: Yes, yeah, he's the I, best thing in it for me.
0: There, there are just some really fun performances. Tom Wilkinson just devours the entire scenery in it and I love watching him in that. Um, I think it's just a fun movie. I, I think it's a fun take on Batman that I hadn't seen at that point before. Unfortunately, now every take on Batman is that
1: take. But well, my problem is that yes, yeah, fun is not that's not an adjective that comes in the first 10. If I'm going to describe that movie, that that that's, that that's movie's so brooding. It's not fun. And I don't think it deals with, I, 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 for, I don't know whether it's for me, it was just, uh, that was a point where, where I was really, really, really having a hard time with Christian Bale. Uh, uh, problems that he has since rectified for me, thankfully. <laughs> and also, you know, Katie Holmes. Oh, Katie Holmes is awful in that. Yes, yes I mean the... you—you've left me nothing to care about. So all I'm looking at is the iconography, and I don't care enough about the iconography for you to have done anything I care about. Liam Neeson's good in it, but Liam Neeson's good in everything, you know. I I enjoy
0: it. Um, I enjoy. It. I under. Um, I I wouldn't put up too much of a fight for it, but uh, I do enjoy it quite a bit. Um, but a lot of it just comes from my my personal enjoyment of the character uh but i really like dark knight i think dark knight is a fantastic comic book movie and and a fantastic crime movie as well
1: uh i i will say it's a fantastic comic book movie and i do not mean to sound like i am giving it minor praise at that i i i wanted to talk about how much i dislike batman begins just so i could stress (laughs) how much i think the dark knight works and short of the sheer insanity of the contrivance of him planting the cell phone in the tummy of a dude that's going to go off right when he's got to have the commissioner someplace across. If it just hadn't gotten that convoluted, I would think it's as good as everybody else thinks it is. (laughs) It's, it's almost a great crime film. It is a, it is a great comic book film and it's a great piece of pop culture. It really does, does, capture something that I cannot articulate any other way uh yes he owes a lot to Heath Ledger (laughs) who is better than anyone could have possibly imagined in the part um boy Maggie Gyllenhaal's an upgrade yes yes (laughs) boy I'm happy to have Aaron Eckhart along uh he's a really good actor for Nolan uh yeah that all works but let's not let's not skip over what comes in between uh, is that the Prestige? That because is the Prestige, I which is seen... where I go. Oh, you know what? You're interesting again. <laughs> okay, I have not
0: seen the Prestige since theaters, um, and I remember that came out the same year as The Illusionist, and I know they both kind of blur in my head. But I really, I really did find Prestige interesting, but I don't remember much of it.
1: It's it is. Uh, I would encourage you to go back to it. Okay, it is the one that is. Um, it it was his last gasp at being human. (laughs) There is, there is a, there is a heartbeat underneath all that. That, uh, that, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying it's loud. I'm not saying it's prominent, but I am saying it's there and not in a, not in the perfunctory way that it feels like it's tacked into insomnia or um, uh, inception for me. It's, it's a, it, it works. Um, it works in surprising ways. I, okay. I, I I like it. I I and I genuinely think it's I I it's the kind of movie that I'm so glad you do after you have a success with Batman Begins. Like, okay.
0: <laughs> it's been on a list for a revisit for a long time and just has not gotten around there. Uh, I remember really enjoying it when I saw it, but yeah, I could not. I remember basically how it ended, and that and I remember David Bowie's in there, I believe, right?
1: Yes, that's Tesla. right.
0: Okay, okay, that is the, that is the. Uh, that is the movie i remember then but i it's overdue for a rewatch for me because i know a lot of people really really love it and for me it's just i have not seen it since theaters so uh i need to um but after dark knight he did inception which i that that i have a weird relationship with that movie in that i remember seeing it and being very enthralled by it and just thinking oh wow this is this is so amazing to see on a giant screen. I think when he started working with IMAX, he started doing some, uh, that's when he kind of started playing around a little bit more uh, and having a little more fun visually um, because there's some really fun stuff in, in, inception that works from a visual perspective. I love the city folding up um, the fight in the hallway that's rotating. But the thing that's always bugged me about inception is it's a movie that takes place in
1: dreams that
0: feels nothing like a dream.
1: This is A.O. Scott's. A.O. Scott wrote the definitive line about uh, about the movie for me, and I I give him full credit for it. Where yes, Nolan has created a movie that exists only in dreamscapes, and he is a director who is inherently incapable of understanding dreamscapes. He's so so mired in logic. Yeah, even his dreamscapes are presented in concentric circles that interlock. <laughs> like, no, that's not David Lynch's Inception. That I yes. want to see. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> I've thought about that before.
1: That said, um, and I don't think Inception succeeds, which is, not the, which is the different than saying I don't think it works. I don't think it succeeds at what it's trying to do as well as it could otherwise. But I will say this for it. Um, uh, have you ever seen Last Year at Marienbad?
0: Yes, I have, years and years ago
1: in college. So for me, Last Year at Marienbad was the first time I saw a movie that felt like, oh – this is music. I'm not supposed to follow this logically. This is all about rhythm and repetition and mood. And, and I, I give inception full credit for doing that. I, I know that, you know, it's, it's fun to knock him for explaining everything. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't remember this. I like the film enough that I don't remember all the scenes of explaining in inception. I, I remember, I remember the pull of the editing I remember the tone. I remember the feel. I remember the look. And I will give him a lot of credit for that. And again, I think it's an incredibly – for all of my problems with it, I just love that he chose to do it after Dark Knight. Yeah. (laughs) He made really interesting attempts after all of the Batman movies, which is why – I don't care to dismiss him at any point just yet.
0: Well, that, and that's, that's what you can do after you have a dark night is you can, you can say, okay, I did this billion dollar hit for you. So now I'm going to do this thing I've had kicking around in my brain. Um, and I, there's a lot I like about Inception. I think it's logic. It, the way it wants to be so logical is what kind of stops it from being great for me. Yeah. Um, because, I want those dream sequences to be unhinged. Like I want there to be danger and surrealness there. Um, because visually it does some very surreal things and he does some really interesting things with, uh, with the theme that plays whenever they kick back and how that plays at different speeds and kicks them back into whatever the next time thing is. But then it's all tied to, well, we have to do this by this or else that doesn't make sense. Um, it and it just kind of ruins the the sense of danger for me, but there's a lot I enjoy about it. Um, I really like I really like Tom Hardy in that one. That was my introduction to Tom Hardy, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought he was fun. um and i I like DiCaprio in most things. Um, so I, I thought he was fun to watch.
1: Uh, it is and it is easy to say that Marianne Cotillard gives the best performance by any actress in any <laughs> Christopher Nolan movie in that film. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very one note character. But she's very memorable. Yeah, yeah
0: i I enjoy it. Uh, I I, find I don't love it as much as other people do, but it's yeah. another one that's overdue for a revisit. But um, after that came the Dark Knight Rises, which I'm not going to be revisiting anytime soon.
1: Oh, it's wretched! It's it's, it's really bad. It's 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 really really bad.
0: <laughs> I've I've never been I, I've never watched a movie where I thought, wow, the filmmaker did not want to make this
1: movie. Yeah. Uh,
0: which which is very true. He did not want to make a third Batman movie after Heath Ledger died. Um and
1: And dumped... he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Good yeah. on him.
0: Well I and I think there are there are things set up in that movie that I think could have worked really well. The whole idea the whole theme of that whole franchise is that uh, eventually Bruce Wayne will get to stop being Batman and Gotham will write itself. Right. Like that's the idea they're playing with at the first and second movie. And in the third, there's, there's a place where they could do that. It should have been about, it should have been called Gotham city for the first, first thing. Um, But it should have been more about that instead of whatever the hell it was breaking his back. And I, I don't know, like there, there was so much going on that just never made sense for me in that. Like, it felt so inert the entire time.
1: Yeah. It's, it is, it's it dull and boring and ugly and so not interesting. And it, it is, it just, it, it and if nothing else, it shows how good the dark night is. Yeah. <laughs> it shows how easily all of this stuff can go way, way wrong.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, like, I remember that had the, that was the same summer as the Avengers. And I remember just thinking, nope, Dark Knight Rises, that's the one to beat. I, I can't wait to see that. <laughs> and I saw it, at, like I remember, I think I saw it at IMAX screening at Henry Ford uh, the night before it opened. And it was one of those experiences, I think I had, I, told, I said the Lost World was like this for me, where I'm sitting there watching it thinking, I like this, right? This is good, right? (laughs) I I enjoy this. Um, So, like, a week later was my birthday, and it was out. So I told my wife, I'm like, oh, we're going to go see Dark Knight Rises. You're going to love this. It's great. And I was so bored watching the entire thing. Like, I, I... I actively – and it didn't help that we went and saw, like, Beasts of the Southern Wild right before we saw that. <laughs> um, so, so like, I left a, a movie I really figure. loved. Um, I, I left a movie I loved that was really beautiful to go see this gray slog <laughs> that just never once worked in that second viewing. It
1: just – That that girl's still singing the anthem. That that's <laughs> never ends. Oh, my God. That's so awful.
0: Oh, it's oh. –
1: yeah, it's it, that's a
0: bad one. Um, and then what, what came after that was that Interstellar. After that, yeah, Bitch. <laughs> yeah we've we've talked about that. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, that the was end one of the reconnaissance?
0: Yeah, yeah. there <laughs> is one sequence in that that I find works for me, and it works on a human level too for me. And it's where he's been on that planet where time, like time moves differently. He comes back and watches the video of his kids. As, and he watches them age, like however many years, like twenty years, and those thirty. That's the one moment in the movie that works for me, and that that's I, about it. And that's all McConaughey.
1: There is, I could be hard pressed to name an actor more ill fit for Nolan than McConaughey. All of what McConaughey does well is what Nolan is not interested in.
0: He's so loose. I, I,
1: I just think that that's – a, I just think that's a miscast from the beginning. Like that doesn't work, <laughs> and I think the movie bears that out. Uh, yes, you're right. It's the one – moment. He, I mean I, I think he thinks he's going to bring something to it, but Nolan set it up so he can't. I mean God, the, really the only thing I remember about that movie – and I have not revisited it since I saw it in the theater. The only thing I remember in any great detail is the sheer joy when Matt Damon shows up. <laughs> oh my god! Thank you. Someone who can't help but bring life into whatever he's in, <laughs> and then he's gone. And yeah. then I'm you know, I'm stuck watching, you know, his attempt at his, his attempt at Spielberg. Yes, that's exactly it's, what the end of that film is. Yeah, it,
0: it's very much him trying to do the Spielbergian ending. And um, there's a reason why Spielberg is usually the only one who gets away with that. And Rice Spielberg couldn't get away with that after a while.
1: <laughs> and even then, only some of the time. Yes. <laughs>
0: Um, and then there was Dunkirk, which I really like. Dunkirk, um, I, I think, like I said, I think it's an experiment that uh, I, I enjoy watching as an experiment. I don't think it ever connects with me on a human level, but uh, I, I I find it an interesting a- approach. Like I, I enjoyed him pulling off the way he played with time in that. I thought that was very successful, and a silent, an almost silent movie or dialogue-free movie is probably really good for him sometimes.
1: Yes and no. I, it works. I, I, I think it's fine. I think it's far from great. And I think 1917 proves that. Uh, you know, it is. There's, there's a film that, takes, that plays just as much with time and actually has a human heart beating at its center for all of its cinematic trickery. Uh, and has some point to telling you the story that way other than Oh look, I can tell the story this way. It's I, it, Dunkirk is is cold, as you said, and that is and it, it is interesting, you know, that we come back to this over and over with Nolan talking about how cold he is, because there are lots of cold directors that are still really interesting, or at least have some semblance of their own coldness and make that the subtext of what they're. But Soderbergh cold. Soderbergh is a cold, cerebral dude. But he understands that on himself and he understands that it's a failing. And his best films tackle that head on. You know, Nolan I don't know I don't know I I, I I don't understand who Nolan is as a person at all at this point through his films. I know what he is as a as a name brand director and what I'm supposed to get from his movie as a product, but oh it, you know, it's it's the case where I thought I thought we had a genuine artist on our hand, and we have we have a craftsman, we have someone who seeks perfection and not expression. Yeah, I and think oh, that's, that's fine. Fun. That's not to be discounted, mm-hmm. but it can feel very disappointing when it felt like something else was going on earlier in this career. And watch Tenet be fantastic and we're proven completely wrong. Could happen. It could, could happen. Absolutely happen.
0: I'm I'm legitimately excited about eventually seeing Tenet. Um not <laughs> enough to Not enough to put my life at risk. But um I you know, the the big thing he's wanted to do for years that he kinda did at the end of Inception was he's wanted to make a James Bond movie. Um, which I think he is totally wrong for a James Bond movie because I don't think Christopher Nolan understand sex Um, it it understands the things that make James Bond so much fun when it's fun Um, but to see him bringing his own brand to that and doing his own espionage movie could be fun and I have no doubt that from an action perspective it's it's a lot of fun Um, I love the cast I it could be a lot of fun Um, but that coldness is what I keep coming back to like when I think of what would what could get me out to a movie theater I, I could almost be persuaded in the right circumstances with maybe enough to drink to head back to a movie theater to see Bill and Ted face the music. Um, <laughs> because I, I understand what I'm getting with that. I understand there is a certain joy, hopefully to that, which I haven't seen the movie yet. So I could be totally wrong. It could not be there at all. Uh, but th- there's a certain joy to that experience, seeing that movie with a crowd. Um, Tenet, you know, I, I'd love to see it. I can't wait to see it. I hope one day I get to see it on a big screen and it's just as spectacular um, as, as I would hope it is. But right now, no. That's not getting me there. And to clarify, Bill and Ted ain't getting me there either. But I could almost <laughs> I could almost understand the pull of a Bill and Ted over, <laughs> over something that's just, you know. There's a cool very effect.
1: real possibility if you bought a ticket in the middle of the day to go see Bill and Ted you might be the only one in the theater. You might be very safe.
0: I oh, I, I think Bill and Ted's gonna um, actually do some money based on whatever money is now at a, at a box office. I think <laughs> I think there is a weird excitement that I see people having for that movie that I don't quite have. Um, I have a lot of affection for the first two movies, which is not the same as admiration or, um, or or thinking that they're good movies, but I think they are perfectly fine, fun movies. um, And I am perfectly happy to watch Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter do that. I also know that it's been almost 30 years since they last did that. And that it was wearing thin 30 years ago. (laughs) So
1: I'm not quite expecting greatness at that point. I, 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 yeah, I, I, I almost wanted to take some Irishman approach to it and, you know, youngify them thirty years, <laughs> have them play it as if it's the very next movie, just a year later. That that might be fun. <laughs> Well, maybe the technology, why not? (laughs) Um, I I will probably as we're recording this,
0: it comes out this weekend and I I can safely say I have a Fandango gift card somewhere that I will probably be using to watch it at home uh, in the (laughs) comfort of my own home without having to pay actual money for it. Um, Because I do believe someone had told me the screeners for that were available for only seven hours only the night before its release. Fantastic. (laughs) Which, Which is not a show of confidence
1: no no so. nor, or or the fact that it doesn't matter no, it's it's <laughs> this, bill and Ted. this is might be the definition of a critic proof movie
0: yes <laughs> um but yeah that's that's tenet we will have ev- maybe eventually review it on here if uh it ever comes our way um, when it
1: tops both of our year-end lists absolutely it, yeah yes, that so we'll revisit which is it
0: which it is very possible because for all, and, and I feel like I've come out very negative on Nolan, um, but I'm not. Like, that's the thing. I think I think I like a lot of his stuff so much that the flaws bother me more, if that makes sense. Like, I, I look at it now and I see little things that stick with me because they, they stick with me because I want that movie to be great. Um, and so something like Inception, which I really like, and which I do think ended up somewhere on my top 10 list that year, like all I can see is that thing that keeps it from being higher for me.
1: Yeah, and for me, it's a matter of I know what it is now. He he does not surprise. Yeah, he can't. And and it's been I and I'm I'm much closer to the worst thing he's ever done than the best. So that's that. The stench of Dark Knight Rises is just there. Well, <laughs> it it's not blown away yet by anything. And it's really hard
0: when your career starts off with a memento, like like something that just is that surprising, and that it felt very radical when I saw it at the time. It felt like nothing
1: I had seen before. And Steven Soderbergh spent a year, literally, in interviews talking about the movie when it was in when it was at festivals. Like saying things like, "If this movie can't get distribution in America, I don't, I don't understand what the film business is doing anymore." Like it was, it was there was high praise on that thing. It was a big deal when it finally came out. Yeah, and it was, and it it, it, it has absolutely lived up to it. It was great. Yeah,
0: yeah, and you know when your career starts with that, it, it's it's tough to replicate that. But uh, now he's a brand, so that's that's much different than being an artist yeah so well i think that brings us to the end of the nolan discussion um who knows by the time this post maybe movie theaters will be a little bit more reopened we probably still will not be there um (laughs) but where we will be is back here in two weeks uh we haven't decided what we're talking about yet but uh you can find us in two weeks until then perry where can people find you
1: you can find me on Twitter at Perry Loves Film. You can find me on Facebook. You can hear me every Friday morning on the Lucy Ann Lance Show on WLBY in Ann Arbor and on her show online. Just look for it. I'm there. I promise. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, I'm around. You, you can find me. I'm easy. Yeah.
0: <sighs> You can find me on Twitter at mere Christianity. Uh, you can find me at bhmpopculture.com where I'm sure my review of Bill and's Head Face the Music is uh, up by now. Um, and yeah, you can also uh, follow my, <laughs> follow my newsletter. Uh, it'll be criticisms at off of sub, Substack. sorry, and uh, I'll post that in the show notes and that'll keep track of any writing podcasting I'm doing. and we'll see you back in two weeks.